0: The book of Joshua, let's back up and remember the story so far. So God chose Abraham and then his family became the people of Israel who are then enslaved down in Egypt. And so through Moses, God rescued Israel out of Egypt, he made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, and he brought them through the wilderness. So Israel then camped outside the promised land and Moses called them to obey God's commands so that they could show all the other nations what God is like. The book of Joshua picks up right after Moses has died and Israel's ready to enter the land. So the story of Joshua is designed with four main movements. Joshua first leads Israel into the promised land. And then once they're there, they meet all this hostility from the Canaanites. And so they engage them in battle. Then after their victories, Joshua divides up the promised land as the inheritance for the 12 tribes. And then the book concludes with these final speeches that Joshua gives to the people. Well, good morning, Grace. And I don't know if you've said it out loud, but here it is. Thank God it's May. I mean, really, thank God. We had 30 April Fool days in a row. That was a rough month, but here we are in May and we're returning to our Bible reading program. We're reading through the Bible uh, with Grace Covenant Church together and you can still join us if you'd like to do that. We're looking at how God has worked in human history to bring us back to the way that we were designed, to bring us back to uh, an intimate relationship with God, Uh, It's In a word, it's salvation. In two words, it's called the abundant life. And the abundant life is having a transcendent, personal, vulnerable relationship with God. It is experiencing the presence of God in good times and in times of great hardship. The abundant life. It is... uh, it is what we're going to be studying today, because when we look at the book of Joshua, that's where we are in our storyline. Joshua has a formula for the abundant life. Joshua's experience here, he's going to, he's, the whole book itself, he's going to give the formula for the abundant life, and then he's, the rest of the book is going to demonstrate how that formula plays out. If, if Joshua had a subtitle, if it were a book cover, it would, the subtitle would be How to Have a Successful Life. This is successful living. Now, the context of the book of Joshua is the nation of Israel is they're, they're changing. They're, they're going into a new arena of life. They're having a new season of life. They're going into the promised land. And while they're making that transition that is somewhat fearful, it is helpful for us when we make transitions. We go through, what, seven seasons of life? We go through different phases of life, different arenas. Whether you're a student or married or children or a career transition, single again, or, or maybe moving into retirement. Each one of these new seasons, m- new arenas, they bring about new challenges. And they, the fear that's in, involved in and them, and the pressure make it ripe for us to fail. But at Grace, we don't, we don't live that way. We live to thrive in all contexts, in all arenas, right, in all seasons of life, because while the seasons might change, the formula doesn't. While while the arena of life that we're living in, it could adapt. You don't have to adapt this formula. This is how we are to thrive. And it's a good thing that you're here today, because we're going to look at that formula. There is no... There's no clearer, more succinct place in the Bible that just spells out how we're supposed to live our life than the book of Joshua. And, and there's no more obvious expression of that displayed than in the book of Joshua. If, if, let me just give you just how the book of Joshua starts. Joshua 1.1, 1, 1, the first sentence of Joshua says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, God comes to Joshua and says to him, Joshua, now that Moses, my servant, is dead, do this. Rise up and take my people into the land that I have promised. Let's go. Let's live this uh, life out. Let's live the abundant life. Here's the formula. Look what it, and here, By the way, here's the confidence that he gives him in verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you in all the days of your life. As it was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Grace, this week in chapter one, verses six through nine, you're gonna see the formula of how to live a successful life. Here's what I'd like us to do as a a church challenge. Let's memorize six through nine together this week. Six through nine, here it is. Here's how to live a great life. I'll read It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land which I swore their forefathers uh, to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may be successful in whatever you do. And then he repeats it kind of in a negative way. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? For Yahweh your God will be with you wherever you go. There it is, grace. There is the formula for success the courage to obey. The courage to obey happens and works in every context, every re- arena, every season of life. It is simple. It's not easy. But it's, it's just like really just two parts, two points there in six through nine. And they're repeated over and over again. Two parts. One, understand the directions. Understand the directions. It's, you have to know them and you have to understand the word of God. It, that's what he says. He says, do not let this book depart from your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Part one, Understand the directions. Part two, you have to have the courage to do the directions. The courage to do the directions. Be strong and courageous. Have I not told you to be strong and very courageous? There it is. There's the formula. Courageous obedience. And courageous obedience is the formula for success. Here's how here's why it works. I'm always asking why. Here's why it works. When a person lives a courageous, obedient life, serving the Lord in all that he does, in, every, in all that he does, all, obeying all the commands. What you're doing is you're living in harmony with the definitions of all things created and, more importantly, in the very definition of who God is. Because when you live a, a courageous, obedient life, it it is, it is showing that you are submitting to the way God is defined and God is defined by these titles that he is, he is the Lord and he is the King. He is the ruler. He is the sovereign. And, 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 and when we, we live a life underneath the submission to that King, that ruler, that sovereign, it just, it just shows that we're obeying the King and listen, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's not just the Lord. He's the Lord of Lords. He's not just a King. He's, he's the King of all Kings. And these aren't just titles. Again, these are definitions. These are facts about him. So when a person lives in a a courageous, obedient life, the reason they're successful is that they are following the rules of the ruler. (laughs) Of course you'll be successful. In a word, in a single word, courageous obedience is the word lordship. Lordship. And that's the key here. Success in every area of our life is the idea that God is Lord in every area of our life, whether we're in school or maybe even in college or our family life, our career life. It is, Lordship means we are putting on display to all the created world, the seen and unseen world, that Yahweh rules all parts of your life. You are in obedience. In all of life, we become like Christ in all of life. It is becoming obedient in all of life, courageously obedient, obeying all of his commands. And that's why it says in chapter one, verse eight, this is this is what lordship means. Do not let this. The book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be pr- prosperous. Then you will have success. <laughs> How you see God is the most important aspect of your life. How do you view God? Because a lot of people view God as a helper, an advisor, someone that is sometimes even like a cheerleader, and they seek God to to influence them, to advise them, to care for them when they're down, to strengthen them when they're discouraged. And, and most importantly, you know, that God is there to escort us into heaven, have eternal life with him. Now, listen, God actually wants to do all those things, but those, those are, that's what he does. That's not who he is. Who he is, is Lord. He is the king. He rules and he wants to do those things for us. But it, you have to agree with who he is on his terms by the definition of real things. And he's king. And, and when we talk about Jesus. We say he's the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't just like take some of those words and leave some out like you're going through some Spotify playlist. Yeah, I like the Jesus part and I like the, I like the Christ part that he's the promised one, but the Lord, yeah, I'm not gonna put, take that off the shuffle list there. That's not how the world works. That's not how success happens. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Lordship means is to courageously obey, courageously trust, Courageously depend upon God in not look, not not just in areas where we're not afraid, right? Where we're confident, where we've grown in maybe areas where we're, we're pretty sure of ourselves, but especially courageous obedience is required in the places where we're afraid. That's when it shows up. When we're clinging to something instead of releasing to lordship, we're clinging to something that allows us to get the, the impression that we're safe or that we're secure or we're holding on to something that matters maybe too much to us. It matters more than lordship matters to us. I mean, it's it's pretty easy for this to show up in in, in parts of our lives where we're afraid. Sometimes in in. A habit of life where we like that habit and we don't like God to take it away. We're afraid of what might happen if we weren't to practice that habit. Sometimes it happens in, in relationships, particularly ones that are significant, like in, in, in marriage or, or in singleness, for example. You know, I can see people that have a context of lordship in almost every aspect of their life. But when it comes to dating and finding a mate, it's like, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. That's not lordship. In marriage, you know, obedience is pretty clear what it, and defined if you know it and understand it. It's the courage to obey that's required in a marriage. And a lot of times people say, yeah, in these other areas of my life, he's Lord. But when it comes to getting what I want, manipulation, uh, it's, it's worked okay so far. That's not lordship. In children and parenting, sometimes that has to do with not being, having lordship in that area. Sometimes that's to do with just the value that we place on our children. And it's a good value, but that's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live courageously. And I know like helicopter parenting, it wasn't invented in the church, but I think it was perfected here, especially in the American evangelical church. We want to control those things that God says, release those to me and you can live a successful life. Then you will be abundant. You'll have the abundant experience. And again, sometimes in, in the context of our calling Jesus Christ Lord, our finances are not under his lordship. All these other little areas of our lives, integrity exudes. But when it comes to money, we hold on to it. And I think sometimes, not, not because people are stingy, I think it's because that's where we find our safety, sometimes our security. And in some people's lives, that's where their identity is. And here's the point, here's the point. Lordship, Lordship does, the the word itself doesn't allow you to take some of those things and leave them out. It 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 doesn't permit it. It, it, He is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all is the phrase. He is Lord of all or he is not Lord of all. And Jesus doesn't want to be part of your life. He wants to take control of all of your life. And and I want to remind you why because that's where you'll find success. It's a trade up to absolutely surrender to his Lordship. You can't find passages in the Bible where, where, you know, whoever the spokesperson is a prophet or, or Moses or Jesus Christ himself, where he says, Oh, you have to sacrifice for me. He says, no, no, you're, there's a cost for following me. There's a cost for discipleship. Absolutely. And it's somewhat expensive at times, but it's never a downgrade. It's always for something better. It's always for something more. In Joshua's case, he wants them to obey all that, they've, all that Moses had commanded them to, through Moses, that they're supposed to obey all those things. Why? So they can live in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, so that they can be free and enjoy that freedom. When, when C.S. Lewis describes this in Mere Christianity, he's, again, he's being somewhat playful here when he says, You know, when you ask Jesus to come into your life and to take over your life, you do that quite often because you have some problems that you need to solve and you want him to do that. You want him to serve you. And that's great. But here's the thing. He's the king. He's the Lord. And Lewis says like, it'd be like asking Jesus to come and move in with you. And he's a, I don't know, like a general contractor. And your, ha- your life is your house. And he comes in and you're happy that he fixed that leaky faucet. And, and now the roof is fixed and the clog, the sinks aren't clogged so much anymore. And then all of a sudden he starts moving things around and he says, you know, it hurts you, ow. And that's not where it ends. It's a great story, it's a great metaphor. He starts rearranging sorts of things in your cute little cabin, and you don't like that. Here's what lordship means in this metaphor. You're thinking, what on earth is he up to? The the explanation is this, that he's building quite a different house than the one you thought of. And he's throwing, out, he's throwing out a new wing here and putting in an extra floor there. And then he's running towers and courtyards. And you thought he was just going to do some decent things to your cute little cottage. But that's not what he has in mind. He's building a palace because it's his intent to live there himself. Yeah, he wants you to courageously obey. To let go of those things, especially in those areas that you're most afraid, so that, not so that you suffer, but so that you thrive, so that you will enjoy success in life. God has a much better plan for Joshua in this story, so all they have to do is surrender. God has a much better plan for us, and we must surrender. We must surrender to his lordship, and lordship means everything. Let's look at closer at that formula for success. Remember, it's to courageously obey, and there are two parts to that. One is to understand the directions, and the other part is to courageously do the directions. Understanding the directions, it means that you need to learn the Bible for what it says. and that's basic Bible teaching so that you know the storyline. And then you need to understand what the Bible says. Now, it's different. That, that's what it means. That's, that's the idea of how it applies and learning how it applies. At Grace, that's, we do that. That's why we're a Bible-teaching church. That's why we're going through a year in the Bible, so that you get the big picture of God's character and what His will is. Uh, we have so many learning opportunities in this uh, church, from the children all the way up to retired. We, we continually train our teachers that are teaching in these various venues so that they can learn not just to teach what the Bible says, but what it means and how it applies in our lives. Because we believe that every believer is a minister here and every believer needs to understand what their Bible says. That's why I would like all of us to join together as a church and memorize chapter one, verses six through nine, so that we'll have that in our minds, meditating on it, that formula. Formula for success. Understand what the Bible says. Understand the directions. Part two, have the courage to do the directions. The courage to obey. There it is, there's the rub. Because inside of us, we're all hobbits. We're trying to get through life like safe and secure and hopefully not having much adrenaline in our experience. Strong and courageous. It's used four times just in this first chapter just right here. And here's why, because courage is the foundation of all the virtues. If you have these virtues without courage, you don't experience the virtues. You have to have the courage to do it. When I was in college, I spent a year uh, amateur boxing. It's called Golden Gloves. And I, it, it's kind of a picture of the metaphor here of the need for courage, because the first couple weeks, you just stand in front of a mirror and you just kind of box in front of the mirror shadow boxing. That's kind of like what it says. Boxing says that's not a boxing. And then eventually you end up getting wrist wraps, and then you start hitting the heavy bag. The heavy bag is, well, that's what it means. There's a lot of pain hitting a heavy bag, but you know what? You're still not boxing. You're not boxing until you go into that ring and some guy's punching back. That's real boxing. And it's amazing. (laughs) You can go to some boxing gyms today and you'll see some people. It's amazing how slowly people can wrap their wrists with that support because they they they're trying so hard to wait till it's out of time. I'm sorry. I really wanted to get in that ring, but we ran out of time again, coach again today. Because that's the problem with boxing is getting in the ring. That's where you need courage to obey. See, that's kind of a metaphor here. It's like we can know the Bible. We can even understand the Bible, but we have to have courage to make it happen. Lordship is understanding the Bible and it's and having the courage to obey it. And since courage is this foundation for virtues and the successful life, I thought I'd spend a little time looking at the passage here to show us like two ways of gaining courage, okay? How to be courageous. One, decide ahead of time. You decide ahead. You have to resolve when you're not in the moment of fear that you will obey. And that's what Joshua does. Chapter one, he looks at how to succeed, to be strong and courageous and to obey all that they've, and he just resolves, we're gonna obey. That's what we're gonna do, we're gonna do that. I have found that you have to resolve in life when you have to have a hard decision, you need to make the hard decision before the decision needs to be implemented. Here's a kind of a funny story. When I was a junior in high school, my parents inherited some money and they said, hey, listen, we were thinking about putting in a swimming pool in the backyard. Would you guys swim in it? Would you use it much? And I said, I'll swim in it every single day. I hadn't heard that figure of speech, uh, never make promises when you're happy and never make decisions when you're Sad. I made a promise when I was really happy. I thought we were going to get a pool and we did, but I promised and I made that decision ahead of time. I said, I will swim in that pool every day. And so in the morning I'd wake up before I went to high school, before I went to class, I would uh, run downstairs. Oddly enough, I would decide because I decided ahead of time, I'd run downstairs uh, out back. I would touch the fence. And then when, once I touched that fence, I would run across the rest of the yard and jump in the pool and swim across. And then I'd swim that day. Okay. It was pretty fun in August and September. But October, November, December, it got so cold. Then I started realizing I did to decide way ahead of time. I would sleep in my swimsuit. <laughs> And I knew that if I touched that fence, I'd have to swim across the pool. And so there were some days that were especially cold and our pool wasn't heated. Just keep that in mind. I'd go downstairs and I would just go to the fence and I would just stand there almost touching the fence. I'm so cold outside. My mom's yelling at me through the window. Just touch the fence, (laughs) touch the fence, run across the yard, jump in the pool, swim across. Done. I swam in that pool every day that year because I decided ahead of time. I made a plan when it got be when I made the plan before it got cold. That's how you succeed here. I still do that today, by the way. So I wake up every day. I get an old business card. This just works for me. I have to write it down. The phone thing doesn't work. I get an old business card and I write down my to do things because sometimes it doesn't need. It's not just for productivity. Sometimes it has to do with courage. I'll, I'll show this to you. Maybe we'll zoom in on this later on. And then if it turns into a long term to do a courageous thing, I put it in this notebook and now I carry that around with me as well. Point is, I learned early on, you have to decide ahead if you want to be courageous. And I'm still doing that today. How are you going to be courageous? How are you going to, uh, how, how are you going to like, li- live this this way? The first is to decide ahead of time. And the second way is to understand that Yahweh is with you. Yahweh is with you. How does God answer the problem of this this adventure for Joshua is an ulcer breeding project for him? How how does God say to Joshua, look, 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 I know you're going to have these impulses to retreat. Don't. Stand there. Fight the good fight. What does he do? God says, I am with you from beginning to end, from the beginning to the end. Look at verse five and then we'll cut to nine. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And then at the end of the great, great formula here for success. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? Yahweh, your God, will be with you wherever you go. You know, so many of us have been told by well-meaning people in our lives, like maybe our parents or a counselor or some podcast, that you get confidence and courage by seeking within. You know, it's, it's within you, right? And you're so special and, and you're so awesome. And that's not what happens in the Bible here. Confidence and courage is not found within you. It is found from seeking and seeing what is, who, is, who is next to you, the presence of God, who is beside you. The presence of God is the persistent, repetitious reason that we are to be courageous from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Every expression of you need to be courageous is followed with you won't be alone, Yahweh your God will be there. He is there in the battles. He is there in the classrooms. He's in boardrooms. He's in hospital beds. He's in death camps. He is in the fire with us. And in the, the story here, in Joshua's story, it's a beautiful story because after Moses dies, it's time for this new generation, the Joshua generation, to, to take up, you know, the, 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 the courageous sword. And how does God express his, his presence with them? If you read this story, you'll see in the early chapters, he has them cross the Jordan River and they have a miraculous crossing that is just like the Red Sea. And God's saying, look, 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 I'm with you. I made this creation. This creation serves me. The winds and the waves obey me. I'm with you. And then later on, they have their first Passover in the promised land. Then all the men are circumcised so that they would remember you belong to God. Boy, there's a memory tool for you. You know, if you, if you were to visit some old saint's house and just ask them for a home tour, have them point out to you all the little trinkets, I don't know, on their shelves or by their bed, around the house. And I'll bet each of those trinkets has a story, a God story, where they said, yes, I was required to be strong and courageous to obey. And I realized the presence of God and I was able to do those things. We all need memories, memory tokens to help us remember the presence of God in times of need. The most repeated command in the Bible is this. Fear not. And it's repeated 366 times, one for each day, even on leap year. Fear not. Why? Because God is with you. So listen. The next time you enter a place of fear, when you touch that doorknob, before you go in, you say, Lord, I know you're present. Will you make your presence obvious to me so that I might be courageously obedient to you? Watch how he responds. This story in the book of Joshua, that's the formula for success. The rest of the book is examples of how it's played out. And I, what I'd like to do is tell you just one quick story and see how we can apply you know, the need for courageous obedience in, in our lives as it was in Joshua's life. The first story is one you probably know, and that's the story of Jericho. That's their first city to conquer. And as you, you might know, the, the point of the story is to, to show these people that God is with them and that the battle belongs to the Lord, that he does the heavy lifting. And the, the city of Jericho was famous for its fortified city, it being one of the stronger ones in the entire region. Uh, we know from archaeology that the walls themselves are probably wide enough to handle two chariots. So it's a two-lane road. That's how thick and dense and how high it must have been. And and listen, don't get me wrong. Israel could have conquered Jericho. In my understanding, they had 300,000 soldiers. They could have overwhelmed them in a traditional way at the loss of lives and and a great amount of time, but that's not the story. Here's the story. God says this to Joshua to tell the men. He says, look, here's what you're going to do. For six days, I want you guys to line up, and each day, one time, just walk around the walls of Jericho and then do that once again the next day for six days. And then on the seventh day, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is leading that whole parade. And on the seventh day, I want the priest to bring trumpets. And then you'll circle it six times, seven times. And on the seventh time, everybody shout, blow the trumpets. And I'll take it from there. You just wait and watch. Okay. I'll do the heavy lifting. That's the story. That, if you can imagine Uh, Joshua is like a, like a general George Patton. And I mean, he's a man of of great abilities in the, in the battlefield and strategy. And he, he has to come and tell his troops this method of conquest. How odd it must have been. What's the point? The point is this, that they needed like we need to learn how to be courageous. When we want to say why courageous obedience in the why. I don't know why God wants me to do this. I don't know why God has me experiencing whatever it might be that usually it's evil stuff. Like what God sets this story up in such a way that you have to obey him when you don't know the reasons. And that's very hard to obey because I think if I know the reason for something, it helps me stay courageous and obedient. In this story marching around those walls for six days, even the seventh day, nothing happens it doesn't cause the walls to rattle or anything. I mean, imagine these guys coming home each night and uh, the family's sitting around saying, Dad, Dad, tell us, tell us what happened today. Uh, we just marched around the wall. Right, reconnaissance, right? You're like serving, like you're taking yeah, strategic places of, of conquest, of entry, right? Uh, yeah, that's what we did. Day two, um, m- more, more reconnaissance. Day three. Still just marched around four, five, six. Dad, are you guys afraid? Like, why are you just walking around in circles? Why don't you guys do something? I don't know. I'm just doing what I'm told. I don't have to have the reason why. And then day, day six, he says, hey, wait, wait. Wait, Wait. here's the deal. They, like Joshua said for the priest to bring trumpets tomorrow. So tomorrow's going to be different family. We'll see. And it was. For six days, all they talked about was what and why. But day seven, after that seventh lap, all they talked about was it's a God thing. God did the heavy lifting. The point is, why would God have them do this this way? Because God was was, (laughs) he wasn't concerned about what he was going to do through them. He was concerned about what was going on in them. He was training them to be prepared to enter the promised land, to be dependent and obedient upon him. He he wasn't, the, the value wasn't the outcome. The value was, and the focus was their obedience. Because the outcome was God's responsibility Courageous obedience, when you don't know the answer to the question why, that's their responsibility. That's our responsibility. They're, yes, this is absolutely a Mr. Miyagi kind of way of, of learning to obey, right? Wax on, wax off. Why? Just do it. Like uh, 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 paint the fence, sand the deck. I just wanna see if you can obey me, courageously obey me when you don't have the answer why. That's what the story's about. It's courageous obedience when you don't know why. So that God will do the heavy lifting in your life. How, are you living in a world where you don't know why in maybe in your parenting or in, jo- in your job and work ethic and, and speaking highly of your boss? Right. And you don't know why faithfully praying for someone. and You're wondering why isn't this working? That's what that's what obedience. That's what courage is in obedience is doing it when you don't know why. The other part of this story that helps us in our obedience and courage is when we have to be courageously obeying when we don't know how long. When we don't know how long. So much of faith is just waiting. If you look at the storyline up to this point, Abraham waited 25 years. Joseph waited, I don't know, 15 to 25 years. Moses waited 40 years and then another 40 years. How long? How long? Circling the walls for one more day and one more day and one more day. Courageous obedience requires endurance. And sometimes that's difficult, but that's the definition of lordship in our sickness or our singleness, in our infertility, in our waiting waiting for that promotion, whatever it might be. The point is this, is this story sets us up for a real practical application of what it means to be courageously obedient. Courageous obedience means when you don't know why and you don't know how long this story itself is a failure of a story uh, for six days. If they leave any time in those six days, if they give up because they don't know why or they don't know how long it's what, you know what? It's a failure story on day seven on lap 12. Nothing happens until day seven, lap seven on the seventh lap. The trumpets blow the walls come down and they have a great story of success. And why? Because they follow the formula. (laughs) They just follow the formula. And the formula is just to understand what the rules are, understand the directions and then have the courage to do the directions. Several times I'm sure those guys were just like, what? I'm just going to obey. You might need this kind of encouragement to have a talk with someone. I don't know, to break up a relationship or to restore a friendship, to come clean with a sin. I don't know. But this, this message is for everyone that's living a real Christian life. You have to decide ahead of time. You have to decide ahead of time. And you have to sense the presence of God with you. Yahweh will never leave you and will never forsake you. Here's the thing about the Christian life, the real Christian life. The abundant Christian life. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. It's just so many people just give up because they have to know why or they have to know how long or or they're not going to trust lordship in an area that is too important to them or, or significant in their life or they're too afraid to. And there's, yeah, there's a cost to that. But listen, friends, listen. There's a cost for discipleship, but there's a cost for walking away. There's a cost for giving up on the fourth day or the sixth day or the seventh day, sixth lap. There's a cost for that. There's a cost for compromise, and it's so much more than the cost of obedience. Kierkegaard said it this way. It, it costs a man just as much or even more to go to hell than it does to come to heaven. Narrow, exceedingly narrow is the way to perdition. There's a cost for pride and holding on to pride. There's a cost for for fear and being stubborn and holding on to stubbornness year after year, decade after decade. There's crushing burdens when we're we're living a life that's duplicitous, right? There's consequences to our own souls and to all the people we touch, especially those we love the most. Don't you know, don't you know, if you don't live the courageous, obedient life, Those who you love the most pay the most. There's a cost for lordship. There's a much higher cost for rejection of that lordship. There's a cost for discipleship, but the return, it is so much more. The easiest, fastest, surest, best way to live life is to be completely surrendered to the king of kings, The Lord of Lords, the Ruler, the Maker of all things, the Sovereign. Joshua closes with a challenge. He, the chapter 24 of Joshua, it's all over and they have kind of, right, settled in the land. And Joshua says this it's a rededication of going forward. Will you be courageous? Will you be obedient? And in that, it's a beautiful outline uh, in the liter- literary style. He's making another covenant with them. He's renewing the covenant uh, that was made in Palestine and in, at Mount Sinai. And, he's, and he's, so in that, God starts with, with that covenant renewal with all God has done for them. And the point of that is, I'm, the reason I'm bringing it up is 17 times, 17 times, God says, I was with you and I did the heavy lifting. I was with you, I did the heavy and lifting. So, hey, be strong and courageous. Meditate on these words day and night so that you might be sure and certain that you will obey all that I've commanded you. Then you'll be prosperous, then you'll be successful. And the book ends like this. Now fear Yahweh and serve him in all faithfulness. Throw away all the gods of your forefathers worshiped over there beyond the river in Egypt. Only serve Yahweh. But if serving Yahweh seems, you know, undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers on the other side of that river or the, or the gods of the land that you're about to inher- inherit here. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve Yahweh. Look what he just did. He decided ahead of time. He's betting on the presence of God. He's saying, as for me and my house, We're gonna live a courageous, obedient life because that's the formula for success. How about you, Grace? How about you make a pledge right now, right now, decide now to be courageously obedient. If we can be a courageous, obedient church, I think we are, but individually, wow, wow. What an impact we could make on our neighbors and the world. As we guide people to become like Christ in all of life, we're not here to survive. We are here to thrive. Jesus never said, I've come that you might have life and survive it. He came and said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. The fullness of everything we could have this side of the garden. Let's pray to that end, okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus we are so grateful that your bible is holy writ that you have written down for us what the commands are and how we are to live our lives and in that living of our lives it requires courage and god i'd ask that you would cause us cut our hearts deep where we are not being courageous, the reason we're choosing not to obey you in an area of life is because we need courage. We need to decide to obey. We need to feel your presence in those moments so that we can live that obedient life to glorify you so that our life could be a display like this whole book of Joshua is. This, our life could be a display to all created things, seen and unseen, that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great sovereign ruler of all creation if nowhere else in our life, in our life and our choice. God, let us be a church filled with people, little people and young people and old people filled with men and women who thrive because they have determined this formula for success is from you. It defines you as Lord. I pray we would live that life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.